Being Black in America comes with its challenges. However, we understand that enlightenment through education is the oppressor's worst fear. By bridging the gap between academia and the people, our purpose is to equip you with knowledge that breaks down barriers during your journey towards truth and freedom. Welcome to the Black and Highly Dangerous Podcast. Yo, yo, Dad, what's going on? What's going on? Has the past uh, few weeks been this time? <laughs> I know. It's, it's been a minute. It's been uh, really good. I, you know, just to have a little time off, I went to Vegas. I was there for far too long, ate far too much, drank far too much. Uh, <laughs> thought I gained like five pounds, but actually I came back and I hadn't gained anything. I think. I think it might be because I started lifting weights. I don't know, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I did a little bit too much and, but I was cool when I got back home and then I hopped right back on the bandwagon in terms of uh, dieting and stuff. That's good. You yeah, know, that always feels good when you can like splurge and while I have a good time and then step on a scale and still be left right where you left off. That's a very yeah. good feeling. <laughs> yeah. Cause I was, af- I was afraid, very afraid. <laughs> Uh, you better than me because I still haven't stepped on the scale. That's how afraid I am. <laughs> <laughs> but but how have you been? Been good. You know, I've just been really just like taking my foot off the pedal and just relaxing. I just uh, been working out, and I and I've just been been watching so many t- so much TV shows. Um, like I don't even know. I watched like you um, second season of that and. I started to show the expanse on Amazon. I watched like Kevin Hart's documentary. I just been watching a whole bunch of like random stuff, mm-hmm. um, just like lounging around and chilling, that's you know, not good. doing too much. So, so that's been, so that's been kind of my break. And now back at it, um, you know, for those of you who are who may be new to the podcast or didn't know, you know, me and Dab, even though we've been releasing every week, the past couple episodes were pre-recorded, and so you know, we're actually back live again this week and ready to get things popping. Yes, yes. And I mean, this year is is off to a, you know, bang. Like, it's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, even with with BHD, shout out to the Black Detour for their list of Black podcasts you need to listen to in 2020. And BHD made it on the list as number two. Um, So that was really exciting to get that that news. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Um, definitely. It actually led to some good things. So uh, you shared it and then I shared it. And one, it was just a really great response from, you know, people that were my friends on Facebook and, you know, yeah. people just reaching out and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was yeah. really nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's just good. You know, good to feel recognized every once in a while, you know, do a lot of work and see that they found us out and put us on and that, that's a good feeling so shout out to them for, for recognizing us and then we were definitely on good company on that list too a lot of other great black podcasts that y'all should check out too um i know the nod being one of them is, is really popular so good way to start off 2020 to say the least absolutely so I guess we can uh, get back to the way we start our podcast and let's start with some of that old Lord news and then uh, see where we go from there. <laughs> yes, yes. Hello, and welcome to BHD News, where we give you the most current and eye-opening old Lord news of the week. Join us as we present news that'll make you want to say... OK, 
Okay, so not everybody's New Year started off all that great. There's an Alpharetta, Georgia company called Premier Services that sent their employees an email over the holiday break on January 3rd and said that the company was shutting down effective immediately and that they should not return to work, that their health insurance coverage was canceled and that they had no access to COBRA. Since then, the company or the you know people that were over the company, they have not answered phone calls, they have not answered emails. Employees have not been able to retrieve their personnel documents so that they could get uh, state um, unemployment claims. Even the news can't get in touch with them. So pretty big deal. And that kind of sucks because mm-hmm. um, it was a it was a mass layoff. And so the uh, employees are trying to see if they can sue because um, there's some law called federal law called the WARN Act, which requires a company in most cases to notify employees at least 60 days ahead of mass layoffs. So hopefully they can get that figured out because that, that sucks. Yeah, that's wild. Um, and it's not really getting no compensation and nothing like that. Like, yeah, they got to be held uh accountable for that one um that's a lot of people that are you know now just starting a new year off like you said come out the holiday season with that on their on their mind that's a lot of stress too you got families and oh my goodness i can only imagine and even their customers who have paid i guess deposit because i think this is something like uh they may i think they maybe like install like marble and granite countertops and stuff like that um or yeah. And so people have paid uh, down payments. People aren't going to get their work finished and probably aren't going to get their money back. So it not only impacts the employees, but also customers who try to work with them. Mm, mm, that's wild. Yeah, it sucks. <sighs> well, I wish them all the best. And hopefully, yeah, they can get that to court and, and win that case for sure. Yes, yes. Okay, uh, the new year, it started out with a bang for a lot of people. So, you know, in Illinois, they have recently legalized recreational marijuana. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so within hours of the new year, several people were showing up to the emergency room in Chicago complaining of cannabis-related illness. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I could imagine it wilding out. I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people probably was doing it for the first time. Um, that Yeah, I could see that happening, but that's funny. Uh, doctors said that people were just not ready for the potency of newer strands, um, which have much higher percentages of uh, TCH. So people coming in, uh, you know, full on psychosis, agitation, hallucinations, like y'all got to be careful out here. Only only bite half of the gummy. Don't eat all gummy. <laughs> it was bringing the New Year's with a bang. That's funny. Well, I guess they wasn't trying to bring it in an ER. Someone know, did right. that. Well, let's learn that lesson early then. Um, yeah. It said that some people are afraid to even try. Like, I don't even know if I'm going to try it now. <laughs> I, bet, I, bet, I bet. You should proceed with caution. You know, you got to ease your way into it. If you're going to start indulging in those activities, you don't want to jump in. Because mm-hmm. uh, you got to see how your body responds first and, and what they can handle. So, mm-hmm. well, yeah, I can imagine the holidays being that time where people just, you know, remove all inhibitions and just go all out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so this is a crazy story coming out of North Korea. Um, But a mother was out of the house when a fire broke out in her home. Uh, She raced back and managed to pull her children from the burning building. Like, oh, that's amazing. But because she failed to rescue portraits of leaders, Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il, she is now under investigation for political crimes by the North Korean state. Wow. And it's partly because uh, North Korea North Korea requires every citizen to have photos of those two leaders in their house. There are people that even come to check to make sure that the photos are in the house and they are oh expected gosh. to treat the photos as if it were the man themselves. Oh, my gosh. That is wild. I ain't never. I ain't know about that. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. You gotta and, have the photos of them in your house, and people check. She's yes. It said North Koreans who rescue uh, Kim portraits from floods and fires are declared heroes, especially if they die in the attempt of saving those photos. Oh my goodness! You gotta be kidding me! Ain't no way. You didn't know way. I'm diving and. Dive into a fire to save some damn photos. That's wild, yo. Yeah. yeah. Some of them Korean, North Korean laws is, is off the chain. That's off the freaking chain. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Oh, man. It really makes you think sometimes about just like, you know, just the, the a global world and, and how, you know, just how different some policies are. You know, some things we take for granted in the U.S. and just how some people are born in North Korea and have to stay there and adhere to these policies and these ridiculous standards. That is crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, okay, so Mike Tyson recently had a interview um, where, you know, he talked about how he went through, you know, financial issues. He's like a cannabis entrepreneur now. <laughs> and, you know, he was saying how his wife helped him out of the slump, uh, how, you know, he hasn't cheated in two years, which they've been together for like 10 years. So he thinks that's really great. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, but then he says this. Uh, he says, you know what bothers me too, man? And I got to say this. Why my kids don't like black kids? They don't black, they don't date black kids. Why is that? Sometimes <laughs> I look at my daughter and I see she's attracted to white guys. And I think I didn't set a good example as a black man then. They must have seen sometimes when I was vulnerable and said, hey, I don't want to be with no one like that. He's scary. Oh my goodness gracious. I mean, honestly, I hear that a lot. You know, I don't think that's an uncommon thing. Um, wow. <laughs> that parents feel that way or that children feel that way? That, that you knew saying that parents feel that way, you know, within like a dating outside of the race. Okay. Like yeah, what yeah, did yeah. they do? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, not from the child's perspective, like feeling that way about their father or yeah, I don't know if it's that deep, but yeah, but definitely from the parents' say, perspective. Yeah, I mean it's kind of sad, I guess, that he feels that way. I don't I don't know. Like yeah. who the parents? Well, that he feels like, oh, that his kids must think he's scary and stuff like that. It's just I don't know. It's just such a weird sentiment. Yeah, I think um I think you want your sometimes I think it's like you want your child sometimes or your children to maybe be attracted to things that are in your likeness because they find you know hey dad was 
had these qualities and I want that in my relationship with mom. Um, and so if it's like maybe a complete total opposite, it's probably just like, I mean, I think internally it can. I think it's reasonable to be like, yo, the, why is my daughter going to get somebody that's nothing like me, right? Um, does that say something about the qualities? And I can see him internalizing that, uh, whether it's race or just other personality traits. I'm not sure. Yeah, um, I feel you. Yeah, I feel you. I try, you know, I don't, I don't have any kids yet, but these are things I do think about. <laughs> and um, I don't know, you know, I think uh, to me, um, I feel like black folks just have a lot of uh, catching up to do in a lot of ways. You know, if they love who they love and, you know, whatever, I, I understand that. But it doesn't mean I can't have a, a preference um, especially when I talk about generational wealth and income and, and, you know, I just inside, just like, well, I just want, I want black families to have that for a little bit, you know, especially if me and my wife are setting up some things for our children and grandchildren, <clears throat> you know, I want that, to, I want that to go to black, the black kids <laughs> if, if, okay. if you can. <laughs> okay. Cause I was going to ask you. And so, you know what, actually that's how I feel. It is not like, so, you know, it's not like an uh, interpersonal feeling like, oh my goodness, how could you do that? You know, I won't lie. You know, I have been pursued by guys from other races. And mm -hmm. I, when I was younger, I will not pretend like I was not, I don't know if I was seriously open to it, but I was open to talking to them at the moment, if mm -hmm. that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. And so it would be hypocritical for me to be like, you know, why would you do that? How could you be attracted to somebody else from a, because it's just, I mean, I think lots of people are attractive, yeah. but like you said, it's like, I, I grew up from a lower socioeconomic background and I am putting things in place. I am happy. Uh, I don't have any children yet, but it feels good to potentially be able to raise black children in a middle class, upper middle class household, because I know that black children need that. Mm -hmm. And so, like you said, like if I'm setting things up, it's just the fact that I think the African-American community could benefit from having more middle and upper middle class. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Black yeah. <laughs> and that's really what it is. It's not like a personal animos towards like any other race or it's like, oh, y'all are icky because I don't feel that way. It's just I think the Black community needs middle class households. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yes. Yeah. I'm, yeah, that's a very good distinction. And it's good that you made that clear because I, I also piggyback that sentiment of. It's not about personal disdain for white folks or anybody of any other race. Like I can't stand you, or, or even attractiveness. They're like attracted to people of all races. That has nothing to do with it. But yeah, I think it's just to me generationally and um, how we've just as black folks, especially particularly in America, African Americans have been just ripped of that. Uh, being able to have that kind of wealth and lineage passed down like white folks, and so actively pursuing that in my eye, being proactive in that pursuit. Is, a, is okay. Um, and your children are going to, we can't control no matter any, yeah. no matter how we feel, you know, and they're going to do what they, decide, they want. They're going to do what they want. <laughs> so if it winds up being a white folk person, it's a white person and, you know, my dad's going to have to deal with that. But my preference is like, you know, if it can, if possible, let's, let's, let's have a few generations of this, of this blackness going down. But then I have a question about mm -hmm. this. Are you saying what, like, because they are so I let people identify how they want to identify and mm -hmm. we're going to talk about this a little bit later anyway mm -hmm. um 
so yeah is it that okay once yeah what what are you saying are like mixed people not no no i'm not saying mixed people are not (laughs) are black (laughs) of course they can identify (laughs) but i'm just saying just holistically thinking comprehensively looking at just the past and even i think i think a lot of it stems from what we see publicly or what i see publicly like um say with like black professional athletes males and Mm -hmm. you know they'll make become millionaires and then it's like they'll a lot of them uh, most not a lot of them i mean probably a good chunk of them at least from what we see publicly even though that doesn't go with the rates of what it actually is are with white women right and so it's just like dang like so now her white family you know gets a piece of that that wealth you know and they probably they maybe already have some and i just feel like i just would like to see black folks fully indulge and like you know kind of like the buy black mentality or black business or blackness is just like you know what if i'm going to accumulate this kind of lifestyle at least i would like to prioritize first black folks and black families right um yeah it's not really about the children and the offspring per se it's just about just like just I feel like white folks coming in and dipping in the pie, you know, um, and, and we ain't we ain't fully get to eat it all the way yet. And it's our first time having this pie. Um, it's not that we can't share, but it's just like, let us enjoy this a little bit ourselves <laughs> and yeah. then and then open and open it up to to make sure everybody else is fed. Um, so, yeah. And yeah. you know, what's interesting is that, you know, the the people who wouldn't understand what we're saying and would run with this would probably be the first people to say, you know, you know, the black community needs more two parent households. They need more of this. They need more of that. And I think I just want to make it clear that that's what this argument is about. Like the same thing that people say the black people need. Oh, two parent households and, you know, education is kind of like if that's not in the community for long enough then it just escapes, you know, thinking about, I think we had a discussion a while ago about how uh, following desegregation um, or before desegregation, everybody in the black community, they live together. The wealthy people, middle Mm -hmm. class, upper middle class, uh, lower income, they were all in the same neighborhoods. Uh, and so kids had a variety of people to look at and look up to. When desegregation happened, the people who could afford to moved out and it left concentrated poverty in like certain neighborhoods and areas because people often try to escape their communities when they've made it because yeah. And so that's just what this is about. Like, I, I don't you know, we don't want stuff. Ex- we don't want the good escaping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's fine. <laughs> you know, it's fine, Dad. You know, it's 2020. <laughs> I think BHD, we can we can just talk how we feel sometimes, you know, we don't yeah. got to run through certain topics. And, you know, honestly, that's just how I feel. I, I just moment. know how people are, man. But I feel the same. Yeah, that's how, it's not going to change the way how I feel, you know. Um, and like yeah. I said, kids, when you have kids, things to change. I'm sure this is Terrell speaking before children and before they're older. And, you know, but right now I'm just like, yo, black all the way. Let's go. Um, yeah. But I'm not going to force my children like, oh, they bring somebody that's not black and be like, what the hell are you doing? Get out of here. Like, no, nah, it's not going to be. It's not that serious. But it's just, they you know, hey, mom, dad, we, we 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 just have a certain idea. And, you know, will, will I, I guess my debate is like, will I ver- like uh, be explicit in that with my children? I'm not sure yet. You know, I'm not sure if I'm going to be like, hey, this is what we prefer. I may stay quiet about that and, you know, be intentional in some of my efforts of 
hanging around in efforts and extracurricular activities and communities we hang out in. <laughs> yeah. As far as what they, I want their comfort zone to be in, I definitely am going to make sure that they are very comfortable around Black folks and Black communities. Um, and I will be intentional in my efforts in that. And then what that leads into in the future, that that's on them. But um, they will, you know, I don't want my kids just only feel, because especially if they're in a school that's majority white mm-hmm. or whatever, I don't want them to be just comfortable around white folks. Like, nah, let's let's join a team or a club or something or go to a church or whatever it is going to be, they're going to be knowing and comfortable on their own kind. That's for sure. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Cause I think that's what happens is, you know, we get money. We want our kids to have the best. And unfortunately when it comes to like the best schools, there's a di- direct correlation between, you know, race and the school poverty levels, the school achievement levels mm-hmm. and, and et cetera like that. So when you have the money, when you have the resources, you often put your children in schools where they are one of the few. I mean, mm-hmm. people like who they are around. That's just point yeah. blank. So yeah. I, I don't know if I would say anything either. And I definitely plan to give my children the best. But it is also important that, you know, I make sure I cultivate in them an appreciation for their culture, mm-hmm. make sure that they love the skin that they're in, love their hair. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because it's not even also about who else they'll love, but in certain settings, you got to make sure that they are loving themselves if Mm -hmm. they are the only people in that setting. So, Mm -hmm. That's good. Um, I know you you had a couple more Olor stories because I think this can, we can also might as well just segue into... uh, you can, Alani, you can, you can, you can. Lonnie Love situation. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, yeah. Because it, it ain't no perfect, better segue than what we just been talking about. Um, so, with all this talking about black family, black love, et cetera, um, you know, recently Lonnie Love, who is a host, one of the hosts on the talk show, The, the Real, um, the daytime talk show. And on this, a couple of days ago, um, well, I guess this would be last week by the time this episode airs, uh, Lonnie Love says that. A lot of black women don't know how to have black men. Sorry, a lot of black men don't know how to have faithful relationships. So mm. let's play a little bit of the clip here and then um, we'll talk about it. In the black community, I want to, you know, I don't speak for the black community, but I do think that a lot of black men, they really don't know how to have true faithful relationships. They think because they have money because they have power that they can treat women any kind of way. Lonnie Love is saying things. And that is something we need to work on. We need to work on that. Uh, that together. money and power does not mean that you I can guess. just do whatever you want to do. I think sadly in so many cultures, that is the whole yes. machismo thing. Like, yes. that is... That goes across the board, but I'm going to say... No, it's not across the board, because what is happening is that we are still dealing with the point of uh, slavery, and we are descendants of slavery. And because our families were broken up, we still do not have an idea of wh- how to have together families because our families were broken up. Yes, and until that. we really start... From that start... perspective, I absolutely... Right. Have, I but, absolutely... Right. slavery, welfare reform in the 60s yes. and 70s, like, it's a, this is a long... Ooh. So when you get, when show. you hear, because uh, I want to say, when you hear Joe Button say, mm-hmm. you know, well, you know, he works so hard. It, it's not a bad thing. He's saying, you know, Kevin don't want to be poor no more. Okay? So he's like, I, let me go out here and make this money because I don't want to go back to where I was in right. Philly. 
So the, what he was saying was he was using it as an excuse, and we modernize it and say, but that's not, no, but what he, you got to understand the whole psychology behind it. That's the reason why he's working so hard, because he don't want to go back to where he came from, because then he'll lose the power. And he'll then lose working the so hard is affecting his relationship. Exactly. Yeah. So it is a conundrum. Correct. Correct. Well, all right, so uh, as because of those comments, Lonnie Love has had a lot of backlash, and it was really basing it off of. Well, have you? Did you get a chance to watch Kevin Hart's documentary yet, or docu uh, on Netflix? I, of course, read the headlines about the highlights, okay. which I'm guessing is about his wife and the cheating thing. Yeah, I mean, so I watched it. <clears throat> it's like six episodes, and so yeah, one of the episodes really, of course, they're all like thirty minutes, focused on that, and. um Joe Budden on his podcast responded by saying that, you know, he can understand or sympathize with somebody like Kevin Hart, who's really busy, who's making a lot of money and is always Joe Budden said. And I listened to that podcast episode, too. And he was just like, you know, um, he can understand not really about the money power aspect, but but Kevin Hart is always on the road and that a lot of temptations come out and that he can like see how he would slip up, especially when his boys weren't around in that one trip or whatever have allegedly happened in Vegas because uh, his boys and you watch the documentary are really like his you know, I guess moral compass and law would keep them in line and they wouldn't have let that happen. Even them in the documentary was like, yeah, we wouldn't have let that happen. Uh, but anyway, so that was Joe saying like he can kind of understand how Kevin slipped up in that situation. So Lonnie Love was responding and and kind of rebutting that and saying that black men have an issue with, you know, being faithful. Um, and so that caused a lot of people on social media to uh, have a, a big controversy and debate on on this topic of black men being faithful and she was really saying that it has to do with um generational trauma because of slavery also black men getting a lot of money and the power and it's like this idea of power and money and then just having that control is the psychology behind them not staying faithful uh, so before moving forward kind of what are your thoughts on on lonnie love's comments um so i'm never like the type to generalize like a whole group of people if she had just kept it at kevin hart i would have been fine because kevin hart cheated on his last wife with his current wife so i think yeah. he got an issue mm -hmm. uh but i ain't gonna say uh <laughs> which he addressed in the documentary whole... he said that they were already separated so I'm not sure, you know, what all the truth was in that. And she was saying the same thing, that it might just been a form of tech, uh, uh, technical, like they might have still been technically married, but they weren't like together and the marriage was done. But I, I, I believe don't know. I believe the ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is true, right? I don't yeah. think she would be lying about that. Um. <laughs> but also I am of the, of the, uh, what do you call that, camp of if you're not divorced, you're married. Because yeah. I mean, people... When you marry, I just think it's a really complicated thing. There are people that are on the brink of divorce and they get back together. You know, sometimes, sometimes they work out, sometimes it doesn't. So it's just kind of like, don't be like, oh, this, this technical. I don't do like the, what do you call that? Dwayne, break babies and all that stuff. Like, stop, yeah. oh, yeah. stop. <laughs> yeah, y'all together. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't believe in breaks. That's for sure. If, you know, that's wild. But okay. Back to her comments. But it is funny mm -hmm. that they addressed that, um, which is interesting. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. And, and yeah, and as you hear in the clip, you know, it seemed like, like Adrian and, um, you know, she was trying to like, you know, slightly disagree and say, hey, it's an issue with all men. Uh, but Lonnie, like, 
doubled down and was like, no, no, black men specifically. Oh, wow. <laughs> and there's more. Um, and so, you know, I think, you know, her co-hosts were trying to be like, hey, I think, you, you know, you, you're being a little too off the deep in there, um, which is interesting, too, because Lonnie Love is also dating a white man. Um, I was about to say, I didn't think she was with a black guy and I think that makes it worse. Keep your yeah. mouth closed. If you're not even dating in the race, don't be criticizing the opposite sex that you're not even dating. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, is there, I don't know, some bitterness there? I'm not sure. It seems like Amanda Seals was was uh, co-signing as well because she recently is a permanent fixture on the show now, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she said that it had to do with some welfare reform in the 60s and 70s that play a role in this, etc. So... You know, and be in typical BHD fashion. I wanted to see if there was some some data to support what Lonnie Love was saying or not support it. Um, and so, before I get to the data, Dav, what do you think some of the findings may be? I guess when it comes to specifically marriage, and do you think there are racial differences between infidelity when it comes to, uh, I guess, black men and, and white men? Um. So, in researcher fashion. It's like, I would want to know, is this self-reported data? Because <laughs> one, I don't know how much I would believe it. Uh-huh. But if I, I, it's probably, I don't, I don't think the differences would be statistically significant. And if it is, it's probably like black men self-reported cheating may be lower. So I don't know what, what. Okay. Okay. So I found one particular study that looked at, and this is, is from the Institute of Family Studies, which is a reputable source. And they actually use data from 2010 to 2016 from the GSS, the General Social Survey. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for those of you who don't know, that's a, a survey that is widely used with a lot of um, data set that's widely used for a lot of social science research. Um, and so it also comes from, I guess, again, a more reputable source as well. Um, but most of the GSS, I think you are correct, right, is I think uh, it would be self-reported data, right? Mm-hmm. They hand the survey out. Um, um, so, uh, so again, from the Institute of Family Studies, they were looking at, you know, first they look at things generally in general, um, looking at who are who is more likely to cheat, men or women. And actually, they found that men are more likely to report cheating behaviors. Twenty percent of men compared to thirteen percent of women uh, said that they have had sex with someone outside uh, sex with some another someone outside of their spouse during their marriage. Um, I don't think that surprises you, Dave. I don't. It didn't surprise me much either. It, it, it doesn't surprise me. But you know what? The fact that they only listed the cheating as sex, I... That is true. I think if they broaden the definition, maybe they'll... <laughs> Emotional <laughs> cheating, infidelity, <laughs> or, or yeah, other kind of things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that I think that can be true. Um, uh, it says that, you know, both infidelity for both men and women do increase during the middle ages, usually um, around 30 to 34 those ages so that's worrisome because that's the kind of age group i'm in now like, oh what's going on there <laughs> a little crisis <laughs> something Try i don't to get know get that old thing back you don't feel like you're in your 20s no more probably probably they always talk about the midlife crisis but i think there might be like a 30 i guess a i don't know what would that be a tri-life crisis something like that I'm just yeah out there um uh a third life crisis okay so um Getting into the demographics of cheating behavior of um, between men and women, but also looking at racial differences, <clears throat> um, and so we find here is this the one I'm looking for? 
Um, okay, so there are racial differences um, between mm-hmm. uh, whites, blacks, and Hispanics when looking at if they've ever been uh, or have done infidelity. And what we found here is that it says that uh, among men, okay, the group with the highest rate of reported infidelity due to sex is black men. Oh, oh, brothers, I tried to give you the benefit of it. It says among men, the highest rate is twenty of as twenty eight percent reported of black men reported that they had sex with some other than their spouse, compared to twenty percent of white men and sixteen percent of Hispanic men. Um, so, just by this one study alone, again, you can't super overgeneralize with it, but it, they do look at a six year period, and it's the GSS, and it's from the Institute of Family Studies. You know, the rates of self reported cheating are higher for black men compared to other races. Um, is it just that black men are more honest? I don't know. Uh, but that is uh, what is being said. So going back to Lonnie Love's comments, um, is there some truth? Possibly. And these are just, you know, uh, descriptive data. So there wasn't any kind of like analysis run with any kind of models to see if there were statistical differences. So that's mm-hmm. also worth to, you know, mentioning um, if they were trying to run this with any kind of dependent variables. We might see that it might not be uh, statistically significant, but just looking at numerically who has just reported higher rates of cheating, it has been black men compared to other groups. So. Ah, sorry, <laughs> get your lives together. Oh man, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Um, yeah, so you know, even though the this is what we do here, even though the data may not support how we feel, you know, I thought I too thought it was like pretty much going to be similar across all groups. Um, mm-hmm. uh, because I think you know, men, men are men, I don't think race is going to play too much of a role in that. Uh, but, um, you know, looking at another study that came out that was kind of looking at just marriage, growing racial and ethnic divide in U.S. marriage patterns. Um, and this was conducted, it's called, it was in a future child article. I think, let me make sure I get it right. The Future of Children Center, uh, for the Future of Children. Uh, they did this mm-hmm. article, came out in 2015, and they were kind of just trying to break down issues within the black marriage, black and white marriage gap rates Mm -hmm. and they found that um you know overall that you know really it seems that black women and this kind of goes i think to lonnie love's point you know and i think we kind of discussed this in this podcast and you know somewhat general knowledge but you know black women really compared to all the groups have a really tough time finding marriage partners Mm -hmm. um especially when compared to white women um and a lot of it um has to do with a lot of the what they did say is that not there's no one theory or explanation to find out why, you know, there's a lot of instability in black marriages. Um, There's a lot of factors that come into role. One of the biggest has to do with economic reasons, um, because black folks are not as strong economically um, or in socioeconomic status as white folks. That creates a lot of, uh, it's harder, it's less likely to get married. And already um, it it create a lot of marital discord Mm -hmm. uh, compared to other groups um, that are not in those status. And because black folks are more likely to be, that can contribute to a lot of it. Also, black men, um, you know, be involved in the criminal justice system. And it says overall, generally, women like to marry with folks who have the same educational value, uh, value, but attainment. Uh, And um, and so that's true for both black and white women, but white women have a higher, you know, dating pool in that regard um, than black women, because black women are exceeding men when it comes to uh, education levels and stuff like that. So that already lessens the pool 
tied with economic issues, tied with the criminal justice, et cetera, which just creates a lot of all these other variables create a lot of discord um, as far as what may lead to marital instability. Yeah. Not really. They didn't really talk about infidelity, but they were really just talking about issues of, you know, what can why marriage rates are so much lower than um, in black families and whites. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I wonder how that's going to work, though, because one, there's a trend of just women getting more educational attainment than men in general mm-hmm. um, or more like post-secondary education than men in general. Mm-hmm. I wonder how that's going to affect it even more, because that is a trend that I, you know, continue to, you know, I think we'll con- will continue to see. So, hmm. yeah, um, <clears throat> it says uh yeah, it does say that. It says among both blacks and whites in the U.S., young women tend to be more educated than young men. Um, but there hasn't been a difference. It hasn't affected white women. Mm-hmm. Um, it's affected black women more than white women. I think it's largely because because black men, there's less black men available than white men available. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might just be a just a basic numerical game there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it hasn't been the same effect for all all of them. Uh, uh-huh. that's, that's to say. Uh, so yeah, um, you know that's Lonnie Love's comments. Uh, I guess the sad truth is, at least self-reported data that you know she might be on to something, even though people may not want to hear it. Of course, the source of where it's coming from and who she's cho- choosing to date, etc., may definitely uh, those a wrench in kind of how it is conveyed yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and how people will be willing to how many people will be willing to accept it, but. As of right now, this is kind of where, well, some of the data shows, not all of it, haven't looked at everything, but I didn't do a thorough analysis, but, you know, I just wanted to see something, what what was being said about it. Well, this is kind of anecdotal, but I remember, like, they were doing, like, this HBCU hurt. Do you remember, like, it was a hashtag? No, I don't remember that. Okay, so, well, maybe it was just on my timeline, but it was (laughs) kind of like a lot of my friends went to TSU, and it was like, TSU hurt, and it's just kind of like a... I don't know how you feel and heard, uh, I guess, related to, you know, being in that context. <clears throat> and what I saw was a lot of women who were like uh, their hurt was that they overlooked the kind of nerdy guy that glowed up after school but now he hella successful <laughs> he got money he got a beard like he, he got all the things or whatever it is they think is like attractive now mm-hmm. and it's like you know I do think I would say again I'm not gonna generalize but I, I do think sometimes you know there are guys who when we are younger might not be you know, might not have all the swag, might not have, but I, I do think there are some, probably some really good guys that are overlooked. And, you know, when they get into that 30 to 34 range, they just like, I ain't trying to get married. Cause you know, they got the career, they got the education and now they mm-hmm. glowed up and can, you know, play the field. So I think mm-hmm. uh, that is something that, uh, young women should also think about like you know what type of guys are you you looking at you know especially in those younger years are you looking for the guy that's chasing everybody and so yeah yeah no I, I think yeah just uh it is anecdotal but I think that you know even just from being a guy and and going to school and just being in all these kind of social atmospheres I think uh there's a lot of truth to that um you know there's 
some guys do get overlooked because they may not have maybe a little awkward, may not have the nicest clothes or, you know, may not be somebody that everybody wants at that moment. And, um, and then, yeah, I can see also some resentment happening when they do start getting pop, become popping. And then now, you know, they slide into the T DMs and saying, what's up? And you're like, nah, bro, like yeah. I was in the class sitting next to you, helping you with your homework and you wouldn't give me the time of day. I'm, I'm out of here. Um, uh, so I think, yeah, I think that can be, you know, um, spreading, uh, I guess, being more open to within the black community, right, of the choices, I guess, um, spreading that out more and, and seeing it where it goes. And yeah. I guess looking at more at potential, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you can always take him shopping. <laughs> yeah, you can always you can always help out, man. Influence, you can do it. I mean, that, yeah. not that you should give somebody, make them a project, but I think, you know. <laughs> but it's like, if it's small things, like, because yeah. there are people that are attractive, but like maybe the style is off. Like, yeah, don't make nobody a pity project. But at the same time, just like, shoot, I'll let John pick out clothes for me. I'm like, oh, you got good style. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So for my graduation, I want to do wardrobe Uh and I don't, I trust him enough to where I don't even have to ask like what he's going to order or something like that. He just orders me stuff. And I'm just like, okay. Okay. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It ain't gotta be. And I don't see myself as a project, but I don't like shopping either. So it was kind of like, yeah, that's good. No, that's good. I have, I don't think, I don't think Krista would trust, uh, give me that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think one time early in the relationship, I tried, I think I tried to buy her something or whatever, and she was just not feeling it. And I was like, well, okay, I don't know when the next time I'll be trying it. <laughs> that is hilarious. Just do the gift cards. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other things I'm good at, you know, electronics, other kind of gifts. But yeah, clothing, I haven't, I haven't conquered that yet. So that's funny, though. Shout out to John for getting it right. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I wanted to do this little Ola news story while we're on the topic of like relationships, uh-huh. marriage and stuff like this. Because this is, oh, this really blew my mind. So this is a study. So, you know, they were looking at the relationship between serious illness and uh, risk of divorce. And what they found is that serious illness may increase a couple's chance for divorce, but only when the wife gets sick. Oh my goodness, what the heck? Yes. So uh, only measures of wife's illness onset are associated with elevated risk of divorce. And um, several clinical studies have found that women who are diagnosed with cancer are at a increased risk of divorce. The most recent study, which is actually done by uh, someone from Purdue in combination with somebody from Iowa State, uh, focused on cancer, heart problems, lung disease, and stroke. And they found that stroke and heart problems increase women's risk of divorce more than cancer and lung lung disease, but not so for men. And the explanation they gave was uh, women provide more care and support for spouses within marriage than men do. And there have been studies that uh, show men reap more benefits from marriage than women because women like do more of like the work inside the home. Mm -hmm. But when those benefits dry up due to disease, men are more likely to walk away from the marriage. Mm, that's crazy. Yeah, it's sickness and health, huh? Yeah, <laughs> and gender roles, huh? That's the, I think that yeah. plays a large part of like the expectations of 
you know, just probably handling, you know, not that it's always the case and I'm sure yeah. it's less now than it was in the back in the day, but a lot of some domestic activities and chores or whatever. And, you know, kind of that day to day, uh, I guess if that, it's, it's crazy. It is messed up. I mean, it's not the way it should be in those trends Yeah, that the, that the women hang in there and the men be dipping out. Uh, yeah. But it's like, if your perception of like, this was a good marriage because all of these great things were happening around me and then they stop, yeah. then I guess your perception of that marriage all of a sudden is like, yo, why am I doing this? Like, I'm not getting anything out of this. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Oh man, that's crazy. Yeah, oh God, that's that's, that's that's not the way it should be. But yeah, that sucks. Um. But I do think, like you said, like thinking about gender roles. I think, especially for our generation, it's important that we're kind of cognizant of these things, um, and also what we think we're getting out of marriage, like and making sure that it's like maybe more of a partnership and. Maybe yeah. some of those feelings won't emerge. Yeah. How, how does uh, how do gender roles um are, are how are they in you you and John's marriage? <laughs> okay, so I do so because John works outside of the house a lot. I do tend to do more, but I would say John. See, John, he is just a great guy. He really respects my work like my dissertation and my school work he respects that as work he doesn't see me as like oh you do stuff from home or you're just a student so you have time mm. he doesn't think about it like that but I pick up the slack just because it's like I want to make sure I'm you know contributing in mm -hmm. this household so that's why I pick up the slack but John is also the type of that's like you're working let's let's get somebody to come and clean. You get what I'm mm, saying? Like mm -hmm. he's that type. Mm. Uh, and I finally caved and, you know, allowed <laughs> myself to let that happen, which is, that's yeah. really weird for me. Yeah. That's not how I grew up. Yeah. It's, but also it's nice because one, it forces me to keep things tidy because like somebody else can't come in and do like deep stuff if the house is a mess. Yeah. So it's just kind of like it's it's not like a maid or anything. They're like these little services. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. that'll just like clean up the kitchen and stuff like that. But your house gotta be in order for them to do it. So it's like yeah. it's it's positive on both ends, but because he doesn't have the time to help out, he's willing to get help. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense, and I, I'm I'm with it. Shoot, I'm with it. That's why I come clean up. Oh my gosh, I'm have with you it. done it before? No, I haven't done it yet. Um, and that's I've something I've certainly thought about, uh, and probably will dibble and dabble, and hopefully in the future, because I just feel like, especially once I get a home, a house, uh, mm -hmm. and you got kids, and and you just start hustling, bustling, you know, kids activities, you work, yeah. she working, it's just like yo. I ain't trying to clean this weekend. Let's get somebody in here to do this right quick while we at the game or something or, yeah. you know, whatever it is. Um, so that's something I definitely won't shy away from. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. right now we just got an apartment, whatever. I ain't tripping about it. Yeah. Uh, but I think, I think why it was partly important for us is because I travel a lot. Mm -hmm. So child, if I'm at, away from home for a little bit too long, mm, <laughs> yeah, you uh uh it, just, it ain't gonna be right. But it's also funny because if I come back home, I remember coming back home one time and it was like spick and span. I was just like, 
I said, John, who cleaned up this place? <laughs> you did not do this. He's like, why are you worried about it? I I got to clean. I'm like, uh-uh, you did not do this. So it's just kind of like uh, I travel a lot. So that it also helps in that regard because things would just get out of control. Yeah, That's yeah. Why. No, for sure. That's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah, I feel like uh, you know, me and Kristen, I feel like uh, it's funny because um, I guess my dad, Watching him grow up, and you know, he was super. Uh, what's the word? I don't know. Hyper, hyper masculine, machismo. I mean, he was in the military. You know what I mean? He grew up in the hood, so he just super like me, man, kind of growing up, super disciplined. Uh, but the funny thing about that is that he did most of the domestic chores at home uh, mm-hmm. and loved doing them. like he would cook he would clean dishes wash clothes vacuum the house on the weekends get up make me and my brothers do it um so i think i was raised in the house why very early on understood that uh your masculinity isn't attached to keeping mm-hmm. your house clean uh mm-hmm. and so um yeah so in, th- in this house and me, me and chris and i do a lot of the domestic stuff you know what i mean i clean i do the dishes you know i cook chris probably cooks a little bit more than me um, but I also do a good share of it. But as, as far as the cleaning, the cooking, taking out the dog, washing it, uh, taking out the trash, all that kind of stuff, you know, I do the good, good chunk of that. And again, similar to what you said, she works a nine to five. I'm home a lot more than she is too. Mm-hmm. So it just makes it a little easier for me to do it too. But I don't have an issue doing with it, doing it in my contributions. Um, mm-hmm. So it's cool. So I guess, yeah. So, you know, this mm-hmm. day and age a little differently. And jazz, jazz still kicking? Jazz still kicking. Uh, how old is Jazz now? 12, 12 years old. <laughs> still good. Still kicking. Got a lot of life left. You know, she just be lounging around, hanging in there. Let's For those of you who don't know, Jazz, my dog. Um, don't what you think I'm talking about, like a person or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Like your grandma or something. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so good. Um, I guess kind of going along that, I want to talk a little bit about an article I saw um, cause you know, it is the new year. Mm-hmm. Sorry about me. That new year, new me hashtag. Mm-hmm. And one of the new things they try to do, uh, when they talk about the new me part, Kai, what you talked about, right? Um, eating habits and, and mm-hmm. what's going to get you into trouble. And so, um, CNN released an article that kind of went viral and a lot of other, um, platforms picked it up where they looked at the best and worst diet for 2020. And they got a whole panel of experts to come together and they ranked, the diets, um, the common diets that we heard of uh, and that people like to try. And they said which ones you should try, which ones are the most effective, and which ones are the least effective. Um, so I guess I'll start with uh, the one that is the most effective. Uh, and uh, what do you think? First of all, what do you think would be the most effective diet? Um, I think, well, I think what they would say is one that is a good balance of all the different macronutrients. Okay, okay. Um, so yeah, so heading on, the Mediterranean diet was their number one ranked. Okay, uh, okay. By um, by the judges, um, by the experts, um, mainly because it is majority plant-based, a lot of vegetables included, a lot of plant-based cooking, and they eat uh, a good amount of fish as well. Um, but, you know, so that, that good mixture makes it but what what they say is also the best is because of the sustainability because of the social element that can be incorporated with it because you're still 
allowed to drink. You still have fun. So it's like you can still eat socially and people enjoy the food and also still indulge in things like red wine, et cetera, and have a good time. Whereas most of the time, you know, sometimes people eat, have diets and it makes you like socially isolated in a way. Like, no, I can't eat that. No, I don't want to go to this bar because they don't have any salad. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, And with a Mediterranean diet, you're likely to still said you're still likely to find things that fit within the diet and almost all types of settings. And you can still enjoy glasses of wine and stuff like that. So that's one of the reasons that that diet went up because of also the social element of sustainability, which was important. I didn't think that was going to be the first one, but they said that works. Um, And then right behind that, uh, which they said were top honors, which um, was uh, the DASH diet and flexitarian diet, which Mm -hmm. were tied for second. Um, and the DASH diet is usually used for people who have high blood pressure. So it's to lower blood pressure. You just eat a lot more fruits and veggies and you low, low fat dairy products. Um, and then the flexitarian, which is, I think what kind of what me and Kristen are when I was reading this, um, they said you primarily eat plant-based diet and then occasionally you eat meat. Right. So mm-hmm. Kristen and I, when we, you know, maybe go on vacation or we go somewhere, it's like a, a cuisine. We're not going to limit ourselves. We're going to try it out. Um, but for the most part, when we cook during the week and stuff like that, it's plant based. Um, so those are tied for second. And surprisingly, the, the what came in third place or well, well technically fourth because uh, the two were tied. But right behind those two was um, WW Diet, Weight Watchers. Yeah. You know what? Weight I mean, I've heard great things about Weight Watchers and it just really seems to just keep kicking. Like it's been around since I was a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you know, uh, she plays, her name is like Tamara Mann or something like that. She plays in the Tyler Perry plays. I think so. If, Mr. Uh, She's Mr. Brown's wife. I think so. If I see her, I think I know you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, well, she has lost a lot of weight. And then I found out she is on Weight Watchers. And I think she's one of their spokespeople now. And she mm-hmm. lost a lot of weight. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's really good. Um, it's it's healthy, but it's, it's the social element again um, of the accountability and all that kind of stuff and the market of it really helps with this. So those are the top, the top four. So if you guys are looking to do a diet and most nutritionists will tell you, even when I had nutritionists, you want to do something that's sustainable, right? That's mm-hmm. the key. Um, not something a lot of times people, oh, I want to do this for 30 days. I want to do six days. And you want to stop. These diets are sustainable. You can still make and learn new cuisines, eat good cuisines and, um, you know, lose weight at the same time. What's better way now out of the 35 diets, one of the most popular diets came in 34th place. Keto. <laughs> you don't know what diet that was? The keto diet. Uh, and the Dukin diet, which is a uh, Dukin diet, which is came in 35th place, is also another kind of variation of the keto diet. Um, so these, they said these ketosis kind of diets are just terrible, um, mainly because uh, although you cut the carbs, a lot of people uptake the things in protein and fats and dairy and saturated fat, and that contributes to a lot of cardiovascular and chronic disease. So although you may lose weight, you're going to have a lot of, you know, like high blood pressure and heart issues because of it. And that's not the kind of diet you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something, and, and they also said out of most of all the diets, it's just not sustainable, um, which is something they consider too. Um, so again, experts say stay away from that keto diet. Yeah. Although people who do it, they lose weight quickly. Uh, it's not good for your health in the long term, And most of it shows that it, it lacks in the long term. So just yeah. throw that out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just feel like is like you said, it's not sustainable. Like I've, I've used it when I needed to like fit in something like 
in a couple weeks and just like do it like that. But mm-hmm. I couldn't do mm-hmm. it longer than that. And also in those first couple of weeks, it's only water weight anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much you get rid of. Um, and but that's why it's like okay, I used it because I needed to fit in something, but I knew it wasn't gonna be sustained. So yeah, yeah. So just want to throw that out there for y'all who's thinking about diets and trying to get healthy. Do it. Do the right diets. Do the right diets, y'all. And if you've been listening, then plant-based diets will actually help with our climate, y'all. Mm-hmm. Also true. Also so true. do it. About the last week. <laughs> It covers a lot. The, the diet, the next generations, your, your heart, your health, your, your all that good stuff, blood pressure. The plant's the way to go, for sure. My brother just started taking that more seriously in the new year and asking for a lot of advice. So I'm glad he's finally jumped on board because it's been taking me years to get that man to eat some vegetables. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, so we've been on the topic of love and marriage and all that stuff like that. And, you know, did you hear about Meghan and Harry in the UK? Of course. How can I miss that one? (laughs) So people have been like, uh, new phone, who this? And she done got her husband to move out of his grandmama house. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that whole situation? Uh, I guess for me, I don't see too much of an issue, but I'm not from the UK, right? And so yeah. I'm not, I'm not, maybe I fully not understand the culture of, of the royal family there, um, but clearly it's a huge thing out there. Uh, to me, it's just like, yo, I'm tired, you know, I ain't trying to live with your family no more. I'm trying to get my own spot. And yeah. it's what these, but I guess when you're the royal family, there's some traditions that you just can't break out of. And so to me, it's not too big of a deal, but nationally, it seems to be the biggest thing. Yeah. You know, this whole situation made me realize that, like, I really need to read up more on, like, the role of, like, the monarchy and royals Mm -hmm. and, like, their... Because I don't think there's necessarily, like, a lot of, like, power there, but they seem to be, like, government officials in some way. Like, they get paid, they have duties uh, that are expected of them, um, and they're, like, of course, like, you get the protection, you get, you know, housing, you get um, money for these particular duties. Um, and I was just like, hmm, I need to read up a little bit uh, more about that because, yeah, I feel like, of course, people, you know, from the UK are like more upset about it. Uh, although some people are really supportive, but it's just interesting to see the outsiders, like the American folk, they're like, yeah, girl, do it, girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do think so. It's just kind of like people have been talking about how the press has just been so horrible to her. And like, you know, it's just been like really bad. And I do think like when we talk about like love and marriage, I do think it's a good example to like protect your wife. You know, so if you need to get her out of that environment to protect her, especially because looking at what happened to his mom, you know, Mm -hmm. I completely understand that. What I haven't understood, though, is it don't matter what website I'm on, what Facebook group I'm in. Everybody's like, "Mm, look at how the world treat black women. Look, you know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, look at this black woman, strong black woman. And I'm I'm just like. Never in my life have I heard Megan refer to herself as black. Mm-mm. 
I, you know, in September, she did call herself a woman of color when she was giving like a speech, I think in Africa. But, you know, she wrote this 2015 or 2016 L article where, and, you know, we'll share it to where she, she wrote a bunch of words to essentially say, I don't label myself. I created my own box. I'm neither black nor white. And it's just kind of like, for me, I know, you know, a lot of times in America, we go by the one drop rule, but like she has been very clear about how she asserts her identity. Mm -hmm. And so I don't see this as a, a black woman moment. I don't know. That's just me. Yes. Are you saying, um, it's because she doesn't identify as a black woman. Then we're just already imposing that identity on her and saying, yeah, like, oh, this is how black women feel. This is how black women get treated. This is black women, you know, black girl magic, whatever it is. And it's kind of weird. And she's like, yo, I'm not, I'm not, I don't consider myself a black Black. girl. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So that, yeah, I can see. And I think, man, I think this is just a a trend of what we have been, uh, you know, black Americans have been doing. Um, with a lot of people who are uh, interracial, biracial or whatever, not biracial. Um, and, you know, I think a part of it, I think we do have to start considering what or how they identify before we just, I guess, adopt them in the family, if you will. Uh, yeah. Or, or put out all this other kind of stuff, because I think it can. Because I also wonder how she feels, feels about it. I think, like you said, she says that in the past. And now that all the black women and black girls and black folks are just like, yes, a black princess would have you. It's just like, I guess she's in a weird position where now she would actually come out and kind of reiterate her earlier points. It would look bad. Like it probably yeah. be super bad. Like what? Like, you know, cause especially you got little black girls and like, Oh, black princess. And then like, they're adopting that. Um, so I'm pretty sure like her silence, she's going to just roll with it, but she won't ever really say anything. Uh, Cause I can imagine like she's probably at her house, probably like, yo, I'm not, this is not how I identify myself. She might be frustrated a little bit, but. Yeah. And that's what, so that's what I ended up just Googling and trying to see like, what has she said? Cause I'm like, okay, maybe I'm confused. And, you know, besides that article, the only thing I could find was some, like the thing from September where she called herself a woman of color. Um, mm-hmm. So I do support her as a woman of color, but I just think it's weird to like try to impose this identity that she might not feel. And I don't think she'll probably ever comment on it comment on it because of what you just said because that would look really weird to be like hey y'all stop calling me (laughs) (laughs) hey chill out with the black girl magic like uh, that would not work she also I just saw an article she just recently also signed like a a multi-million dollar deal something like that as like a voiceover with Disney oh wow so I think she's going to be doing voices probably on some forthcoming cartoon or something like that and so if that's the case, I'm going to be very int- intrigued to see what the character is going to look like, you know, um, and kind of embody whoever voices she's taking over on Disney. Yeah, yeah, that'll mm-hmm. be interesting. Mm-hmm. One thing I do want to know also is because I, so there is how we view ourselves and that's how the world views us. So I do think some of the abuse she's received from the tabloids or, you know, all that stuff over there. Mm-hmm. It's related to the fact that she is part black. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But is I wonder, does she feel that way? I think she would have to. Right. Um, 
if she's getting a lot of those racist undertones and people are saying things and I think even then they refer to her child as a monkey or something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um especially when you have children, uh, I think you start to think and look at things a little differently. I think a lot of this stems from her having a child as well. And I think you start to have deeper conversations because now, yes, the press out there in the UK are like, okay, they are viewing and treating my child as a black child. No matter how you feel, this is what your child is going to... Exactly. That child... I'm just like, you got to be real right because I guess that one drop really mattered to you because that baby. Yes, that baby is at least three parts white. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I can only imagine, yeah, phenotypically what what the appearance is, and they're still out there doing these racist undertones to to that a white looking child. Um, And so, yeah, she's escaping. I don't know. I, I understand why, you know, um, like, yo, I don't got to be subjected to this and taking yeah. my man and we out. And now y'all got to deal with this. Uh, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see, but Meghan Markle still in the headlines, man. We'll see what, what it's like when they get to the States now. <laughs> yeah. And how she operates and navigates uh, and definitely a very more racial, well, not more racialized, but, you know, racialized spaces where it's either black or white. And if she tries to maintain that middle ground, yeah. will she be able to do that? Yes, will she be able to? We mm-hmm. watch the Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I guess I talk about uh, in the article that was posted on the Facebook page, talking about millennials really quickly. Um, and this article came out again on CNN, saying that many many millenn- millennials are worse off than their parents, and this is the first time in American history that this has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just just called it, you know, millennials are considered people who are, and this is important because I think uh, people who are who are mar- uh, married, born between the age of, uh, years of 1981 and 1996, mm-hmm. so you would be considered a millennial. So a lot of the new folks, I think, you know, if you're after 1996 or not millennial, but a lot of them are still being classified as like millennials. Like, yes. <laughs> like the 20 year olds and the all that kind of stuff. Of millennial, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're born in 2000. Now they're not millennial anymore. So I think we need to be more careful of like who we're saying are millennials because now they're the next generation after us. And so they're not fully, you know, um, we're we're the millennials. We're uh, the millennials. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and so, um, yeah. So what they've been finding is that uh, the U.S. economy is not supporting uh, this kind of occupational status that generations before us were able to have, and particularly, especially Black millennials, we're actually way more likely to have lower, uh, less likely, or more, I guess, more likely, we have lower home ownership rates than previous generations as well. Uh, so we actually own low owning less homes as black millennials than other black generations before us, um, which is crazy in a lot of ways, because we're probably also some of the most educated, um, but also not reaping those economic benefits. Um, but in, okay, so only half of millennials are earning more than their parents did at their age. Uh, so 50% of millennials are only owning what their parents did. So if you're like, I'm 32, 50% of us are earning what our parents earned when they were 32 years old, uh, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, and think of the inflation, you know, in yeah. 32 years of like, oh, my parents, whenever they have me, whatever, whenever 32, you know, now, um, and still people are making less than that. Uh, that's, that's a bit crazy. Uh, but some of the biggest proponents, the rising costs in housing and also college debt. Mm-hmm. Um, are just really crippling millennials, uh, which makes it really hard for us to first time home buyers are getting older where the average age of getting your first home is 33 years old. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, that's 
that's probably about to be me yeah. <laughs> when it, uh, and it used to be 30, 31 years old. Um, uh, same thing with marriage, getting, le- getting, you know, married later, probably for economic reasons. Um, and 30, I think is about around the average age now, uh, for black folks and, and other things like that. So, you know, I just want to throw this out there saying that, um, you know, there's an uphill battle. And I think this is important when we talk about politics and politicians and, uh, millennials, I think we have this kind of, they have to this dual approach of, okay, yes, we have to make it better. Like, what are we concerned of? And so economic reason, definitely housing costs and debt costs are probably big points for millennials, but also uh, policies. Now that we've seen what policies of the generations before us, you know, our parents and him, uh, and how that impacted us, uh, those policies, uh, now we got to think about the next generation too. And do we want to make sure our kids are, you know, not going to be the second generation in a row or third generation in a row to do less or worse than we did. Yeah. Well, I would say the good thing is I know more and more states are like moving towards like uh, lower or no tuition. Like I just, I feel like is our generation is going to be screwed the most to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of sucks. Cause I feel like it's like everything I'm a part of is the one that just <laughs> is messed up. Like, Oh my God. Like I was a part of the first cohort of my, PhD program Mm -hmm. and I ain't have nothing right but (laughs) everybody they you know they learn things after that that first cohort goes through and it just makes you real bitter I got the worst of everything now I'm just playing because that's relative so yeah I have a lot of privileges too but it's just like yeah Yeah. Uh, I think it's, it's messed up that the older generation just didn't care at all about us. Yeah, it's like, I think a part of it is like, they were just thriving. Um, and I, I don't know, I guess maybe they just started doing poly. We're, we're so good, we can we can afford some of these other policies or policies or because we all have money now. So maybe we all should get taxed less. So I don't know what it was, but it's, it's a, you know, a note of caution for us and the future generations is keep thinking about that next generation when you're doing these, you're voting and trying to get policies and advocating or whatever. Because yeah, we are really in the grind, man. Mm-hmm. These, these loans and, and even like I said we trying to get, you know get a house and just looking at the market uh, property tax stuff like ah Leah like how do people thrive but then when you look at it in, in, in relative you know a lens back in the day it wasn't that hard <laughs> for as hard um, as it is now to, to try to get a home and, and keep up with all these costs and balance debt on top of that yeah yeah that student loan debt is just Killing us. Yeah, yeah. Having a, a loan and a mortgage. Oh my gosh. Like yeah. that's, it's a lot. It is a lot. So we can yeah, they yeah, we should get rid of this this debt somehow. And then uh you'll see a, all of a sudden a, a booming millennial yeah. class. And that's what it's just like I would why don't more people support that? Like this is this would be good for the economy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But <sighs> we are, this is where we are. Um Anything else on your end? I know uh, the debates are, well, the debates by the time this episode airs would have aired last night. So naturally, we'll talk about that next next week's episode, uh, what we took away. I know everybody's talking about how there's no diversity in this debate, and this one will be in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll kind of see how it goes. Bernie Sanders is seems to be leading right now, which means that he's probably going to be what I've been noticing in all these debates, whoever's leading, it gets attacked the most in the debate. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so the fact is right before Iowa and Bernie's leading and it's in Iowa, um, he going, 
he gonna get some see some fire coming his way. Yeah, can at least anticipate that. Because Trump is, I think, recently went from attacking Biden to attacking Bernie because mm-hmm. Bernie is now in the lead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We see Castro endorsing Elizabeth Warren, um, which is interesting. Uh, and I think, would you, would you, could you see a Warren Castro ticket? Yes, I would love that ticket. I won't yeah. lie. That's I, what I, I, I wanted it. Actually, I named that ticket a long time ago. I, would, mm-hmm. I, thought, I always thought he would be a good VP. I would mm-hmm. love Warren and Castro. Yes, yeah, that would be my ticket. Yeah, I think I think that is a very, once I saw that, I was like, oh, I see what y'all are doing. I think this is a very good ticket. I think it's a very good ticket. One that I would pay a lot of attention to and vote for and be happy with. But what about Bernie and Stacey Abrams' ticket? A Bernie and Stacey Abrams, I would not ignore. I would enjoy that as well. Um, <laughs> I would, I would enjoy that as well. Uh, but like I said, I mean, I, I don't think it's any secret on this podcast. I've been leaning a little bit more towards Elizabeth Warren anyway um, than Bernie Sanders. But again, Bernie gets the nod and gets us Abrams. Because I mean, yeah, I think uh, yeah, Bernie, he's gonna have to do a black, a black woman, uh, or a woman of color, um, or a woman in general, but definitely a woman of color. I- really want to see who he would pick because you're I I don't he's so anti-identity politics that I don't know if he actually would yeah I think he would prefer to get the nod and bring Elizabeth Warren on as VP um it's something that I think he would like uh but who knows man although at that point I think she should just stay where she is you don't think she should do the VP now with him uh, no, because the VP, they don't really do nothing. They don't do much. It is more just kind of a... Uh, um, like yeah. That. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, seeing it, I see in Warren Cashel ticket. I like that, man. I like that. Uh, so I will I would embrace that. So we'll see how that goes. First, Warren... Um, I, when is Iowa exactly? When is that? Is it February or um, soon, let's right? see. Iowa caucus. Last look. February 3rd. February 3rd. Okay. So coming up, coming up. So we'll keep our eye on that. That's going to be a big one to watch. And, you know, we'll definitely talk about it here on BHD. Um, Quick other little story. Oprah stepping down from that doc she was doing on Russell Simmons. Um, Me Too doc, uh, which is interesting because uh, she has received a lot of backlash for really being a proponent of attacking black men when it comes to sexual assault cases and not really going after white culprits like a harvey weinstein-esque um so there's a lot of backlash on that and it seems that she has stepped down from the making of that um she in her statement she released she says she fully supports you know all women and who are victims etc uh but she just felt that at this time it's the it seems like the best thing to do and she's trying to save face a little bit i think she had to uh because it's just it just looks bad Image wise, I'm sure her PR team was all in here like, listen, this just does not look good. You know, you are coming after this person when you don't have to. You know, it's like, yeah, you're going out of your way to be like, all right, I'm going to throw some money and produce this on Russell Simmons. Like, why, why, why you? Why you got to be the one, Oprah? Uh, it's not that it can't happen, but it's like, you know, maybe target somebody else or, or get some other stories out there. Yeah. Also, interesting, Harvey Weinstein has been charged in Los Angeles in connection with allegedly sexually assaulting two women. So mm-hmm. that, was, that was recent news. Mm-hmm. Which I, I saw some people posting about it, but it's funny because somebody had a status that was like, she used the N-word, said don't mm-hmm. know about Weinstein and Catholic Catholic priest documentaries because they ain't on BET. <laughs> <laughs> 
helping people watch certain channels yeah. um, and just keep up with certain news. But yeah. I, if you have the platform, you can do like if you have a platform that everybody watches, you could have more balanced coverage. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I've seen how those images of Har- 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 Harvey Weinstein walking in with his walker to the courthouse. You seen them? Yeah, I saw that. I said, yeah. bro, I see what you're trying to do here, man. Get that little sympathetic vote in the public eye. Like, oh, I'm this old, you know, man. You know, I can do no wrong. But yeah. nah, bro, you got to, uh, to get punished for what you've done, allegedly have done. Um, all right. Uh, anything else on the docket? Um, I mean, just... Pray that this whole Iran thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, Trump, man, I hear wilding. Um, you know, I'm sure all of you know by now. Uh, Trump has uh, assassinated, took out one of Iran's really Iran's second in command, um, and and he took him out in Iraq with a droid strike, and Iran officials and leadership, of course, and citizens were very upset about this and said they're going to retaliate harshly against Americans, uh, well, America. Uh, and, you know, there's been a lot of, you know, tension over there. We're sending troops over there, which is really sad. Um, you know, just seeing, seeing. I mean, there was, you saw all the jokes, I'm sure, on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, that those, those were funny. But the reality is that real lives of real people are being, um, our lives are at stake because of these decisions of this president. Um, and the intent, a lot of intent is like, is he doing it because trying to turn away from impeachment? Probably. But, you know, they've had, he's had tensions with Iran, but I think the timing of it does, you know, was trying to, because if you, if you do this, you, one, if we do start a war, um, uh, you can't be impeached, right? Uh, a president can't be impeached during wartime. And, you know, we see wartime presidents always get reelected. So in Trump's interest, it makes the most sense to try to instigate something with somebody to to because it works out in his favor, ultimately. Yeah. And also, um, you know, seeing all those old tweets where he was saying, oh, Obama will, you know, start a war with Iran to get reelected and then mm-hmm. the same thing. But then mm-hmm. there was also this uh, Wall Street, you know, Washington Post and the Wall Street Journal that essentially uh, asserted that it was related to like the impeachment. It was, so he assassinated uh, this general to curry favor with certain GOP senators for his impeachment trial. Oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was reported on multiple credible uh, news outlets that, you know, even if it wasn't starting a war, it was it's some backroom deals going on. Mm-hmm. But see, I was worried because Iran, they say they accidentally did it. Just shot a Ukrainian, oh, yeah. uh, you know, civilian passenger mm-hmm. plane down and like, how is that going to play into all of this? Because they done, I ran and pissed everybody else off. And- yeah, they made a lot of people mad with that one. Yeah, so. um, and, then, and the fact is that they were also trying to hide it. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't let anybody see the black box. They were saying, you know, they're going to investigate themselves and, you know, which I think raised a lot of red flags. Like, bro, why are you not letting us see the black box? Like, yeah. Let's see what's going on here uh, because they knew what they had done. Um, 
and then they found out so that also makes it look worse uh, i don't know why they would do that i don't know what the like why like it's a regular plane leaving what the heck uh but it might i don't know maybe they had a defense systems activated and it was just shooting things down coming down i don't know i don't know they said uh, it was accident the plane was accidentally hit by a human error uh, mm. I, I don't know oh so that means somebody pulled the trigger on that guy okay Oh, yeah, that's sad, man. Innocent lies. Go with some mistake like that. It was like 100 and some odds, 130 some odd lives, man. Uh, uh-huh. And actually, uh, a San Diego doctoral student and her sister and their physician mom was actually on the plane. Mm. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. You got to be careful what's going on. And, you know, and, w- and one of these things that, um, you know, I, I I've thought about as I was seeing all the imagery is, you know, the who um, Trump took out General, what is it, Kasim Salamani. Um, you know, the even though like the, the difference in narratives, I guess, of like bad people and bad guys, um, I think we got to, you know, as a nation, people just got to start being careful of that. Because uh, I think, the US, you know, of course, we're going to justify anything that we do. And I'm not saying that this person is completely clean. He, he probably has done some egregious things but also americans and american generals and america you know we've also done egregious things which is a reason why a lot of countries don't like us uh in the middle east it's not like we're like the you know heroes as we try to portray ourselves but more importantly when i was looking at the imagery of like uh his funeral procession and stuff like that and just like the thousands upon thousands of like citizens out there like crying and being support i'm like you know what even if this person was as bad as they say they were, would we see this kind of emotional reaction, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just find that hard to believe uh, that that would be the case of that kind of emotional outpour of someone who's passed away. Uh, so I don't know. I just like, I just, just my words of caution, just like be careful of how we consume or how they portray other folks. Um, a lot of times it's just like economic incentives because this guy was accused of like, uh, there's like a straight out there where, like I think 22 million um, tons of oil is passed through every day Mm. and that um, he was a part of, I think in the spring or sometime early 2019 of like attacking some of these and destroying a couple of those like crater ships of Mm. oil. And when you do that, it raises oil prices prices. And so that's one of their tactics to like mess with the U S and other allies is uh, messing with the oil transition in those straits. And so I think a lot of stuff in the middle East, has to do with that uh, yeah. when it comes to that and why we do certain things. It's not just uh, for like what kind of, how they're running their country. It's like, oh no, how you're messing up our money usually with yeah. our capitalist society. <laughs> yeah. And that would make sense if it was something that this is somehow a favor for some senators. There's some money involved. Mm-hmm. With that oil over there, for sure. It would not surprise me um, getting some kind of kickback or making things worse. Uh, yeah. And I find it a contradictory too, hypocritical, like a lot of Trump supporters are also pro-military. I'm like, but wouldn't you support a leader who promotes peace rather than hostility, right? If you care about the troops, wouldn't that be a concern of yours? Uh, I don't know. I find it kind of just hypocritical a little bit um, because I do care about the troops. I don't want them going to any kind of unnecessary wars Mm -hmm. that you did to gain votes or to run away from your wrongdoings of impeachment or what have you. Mm -hmm. That's not worth the lives of this military. Um, But it seems like right now he hasn't, garnished a lot of support publicly as, as, as he thought he would have so yeah we'll see how this plays out we'll play it see how it plays out 
Um, well, alrighty. Uh, so, you know, it was a good episode, a lot, lot covered, you know, after this past couple weeks, I guess. Um, so yeah, Daphne and I will keep doing these, a couple of these episodes. We'll start with the interviews back up first week of February. Um, uh, we got a lot of great interviews slated for y'all. So, um, definitely be ready to tune in for that. But until then, you know, just be Daphne and I chopping up per usual and dropping some dimes on that kind of stuff. And as we said before, we'll, we'll, we'll keep you guys informed when we start doing some of the some live streaming, uh, figure out how we're going to do that, play around with it. We'll probably experiment a little bit at first, but we'll keep you all updated on that um, in the next phase of BHD and what's to come in 2020. Uh, and outside of that, if you haven't yet, um, follow us on social media. Our, our handle is B- at BHD Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also visit our website, blackandhighlydangerous.com, the keyword of all our latest content. Um, and then you can email us, bhdpodcast at gmail.com. Any ideas, comments, whatever, suggestions, hit us up. We always like getting back to y'all. And after you do that, go ahead and review and rate us um, on iTunes. If you didn't do that yet, that really helps us out. And after you do that rating, go ahead and share us with your friends, share us with your family, and share us with your enemies. And as always, continue to be the oppressor's worst fear. If you're interested in continuing this and other conversations, visit our website, blackandhollydangerous.com to subscribe to our email list, suggest topics, and participate in our discussion forums. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BHD Podcast. And please don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast on your favorite platform. And as always... Continue to be the oppressor's worst fear.